when I was probably just in early college, I was with a bunch of friends, and we were at the lake. That's what we did in Dallas. You know, there's no beach. <laughs> Unless you went all the way to Galveston, and it's nasty. But anyway, so we were at the lake, and then we had several boats that we had on the, uh, on the water. And all of a sudden, as we were there, just having a good time, just enjoying ourselves, we didn't really notice it, but dark clouds began to arise. Dark clouds. And in Texas, the way it works is that you blink and you're in a rainstorm. You blink, and all of a sudden, the wind starts to pick up. And all of a sudden, it just, it just happens out of nowhere. It just, it just, all of a sudden, it's just there. And all of, we, we looked up and we thought, man, I think it might be getting bad. And all of a sudden, the rain started to, to come down, and, and we started to scurry just under the shelters that were there. And the people were in the boats that were. And, and fortunately, about that time, most of us had been in because we I think we were about to eat. But as the wind began to come and the waves began to, to, to blow and the, and the water got really rough, and all of a sudden, the rain instantly turned to hail. Not just the little bitty pea-sized hell. That's not the way it works there. It went just like these golf ball-sized hell, it felt like. And when we went, well, oh, this is cool. Oh, look at that hell come down. And it went from, oh, oh, you know, we got a little worried because it didn't come straight down. It was blowing sideways underneath everything, and everyone began to run for the cars, and we're running, and the wind's blowing, and the hell's coming down. And I could feel it as I was running, the bruises, <laughs> Starting to hit me because it was it was hitting your head and everything. I'm running. In fact, I realized I couldn't even get to the car. I, it was too far, so I stopped and hid behind a tree. And the reason the tree worked is the tree was really really large, and the wind with and the hail was coming at an angle. And so I just hit there and, and I felt it hitting my arms and, and coming around. And I just got as thin as I could. It was easier in those days. But I got as thin as I could. I just sat up there and I saw people in. In the cars that had made it, and they were, you know, soaking wet in there. You could just see the fear and the, the worry because it just happens all of a sudden. See, you can't do anything about a storm, can you? It's hard to, you can't, you, you just got to run. You just got to do something. You just have to endure the storm. Fortunately, we were all off the lake, but there were some that weren't, and uh, their boat capsized. We left at that point because it, everything was a mess, Never found out whether they ever found them. All they know is that there was searching out there for the water. Storms are serious. Storms come up. And you know what? We have storms in our life. We have storms that happen to us. Storms with our family, storms with finances, storms with, with, uh, with physical health, in our, in our storms at jobs, storms with our employers, <laughs> storms with our employees. <laughs> and all of a sudden we have it. And how do we endure these storms? And how are we supposed to, when life throws us wind and rain, how do we do that? How do we survive these storms? Now, when I'm thinking about storms, I immediately go to the story of Jesus asleep in the boat. <laughs> Jesus is in the boat. He said, okay, guys, we're going on the other side. So all the disciples got in the boat. Jesus got in the boat. But Jesus usually prayed all night. He ministered all day. Or he ministered all night. And so at this point, Jesus was exhausted, so tired that he fell asleep. That also tells me that the water was nice and calm. And so Jesus gets in the boat and it's nice and calm and they're moving across the water. And all of a sudden, in, in that lake, it's a pretty big lake, takes a little bit to get across it. 
The storm comes up just like that. Now, these, some of these guys were fishermen, and they, they understood about storms, and they understood all that, and so they also understood about the danger of the storm. The waves were pushing against the boat. The water was coming in, and Jesus slept through the whole thing. <laughs> You're thinking, okay, he did this on purpose, or he was really, really tired. I don't know which. It doesn't really matter because they got to the point where they thought, and the Bible says, we are going to drown. We are literally going to die. Right here, right now, we are going to die. That's the, just the conclusion they all made. And so they woke Jesus up. And so Jesus got up, and, and uh, uh, some people call this grumpy Jesus. I, I don't think it was grumpy Jesus. I, if you wake me up, okay, I, I could be a little grumpy. Uh, but Jesus is not grumpy here. He has a point. He gets up and rebukes the waves rebukes the storm, and calms everything down. And then he turns to his disciples, and here's the part that's just crazy. It's a part we have to get our head wrapped around. He says, you guys blew it. You guys messed up. How come you had so little faith? Okay, now let's stop and think about this for a minute in this story. What did they do wrong? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? One, have Jesus in our boat. Jesus in your boat. Jesus in my boat. Jesus right there. That's good, right? And then when we're in trouble, we cry out, Jesus, help me. This is what we're in a storm. The storm is over. going to take me. It's going to drown me. And they woke up. So what did they do wrong? They did, seems like they did everything right. This is how we're taught. We are in trouble. We call out for Jesus. Jesus rebukes the storm. We just sail on a cross. But Jesus had a bigger point here. And Jesus' point was, you thought you were going to drown with me in the boat. You thought this boat was going to go down with me in the boat. And Jesus looking at them and said, okay, how stupid is this? You know, think about what, what you're saying. They, I believe Jesus, the point with Jesus trying to make is you should have had faith that no matter what the storm was, no matter how big the waves were, no matter how much water was coming in the boat, we're going to be good. <laughs> Do you know that? Do you know how to endure storms? Do you know that even the water's coming in, that, that we can trust God and maybe lean into the boat and lean into the rain, lean into the hail that's coming and say, come on, bring it on, bring it on, because I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. Is that kind of faith that we have, or do we run to the back to the corner and wake up, Jesus, I'm going to die, I'm going to die? How do we endure the storms? Because, see, this is what we need to understand. Jesus is the storm breaker. <laughs> Jesus is the storm breaker. He's the one. Now, the problem is we don't always understand what that means. Because like the disciples, we think Jesus is supposed to get up and rebuke my, rebuke my storm. But that's not always the picture that we have. He does rebuke it. He does have the power over the wind and the wave. He's, and they were amazed when he did that, which showed also they had no faith in Jesus. They had really didn't understand what was going on. So we're talking about, in our summer shorts, what's the short? What's the idea? And the big word, the big theological idea is a big one. It's huge. And it's simply this, God's sanctification for us. You think it's sanctification. Oh, my goodness. Because, you see, you've got to understand, sanctification is a, a part of even a bigger theological idea and issue of how God interacts with us. So we have justification. That's what I've talked about the last couple of weeks, by the way, in case you missed that. Justification. Okay, Jesus 
forgiving us. And, and to put that simply, what is ju- in, in a short idea, what is justification? God came down. God came down. God came into your life. God came on this earth. God came down. That's the idea. And then there's sanctification. This is living out what God has done. Understanding how we live in every day. This is about today. This is about tonight. This is about tomorrow. This is about your thought life. This is about how you interact with other people. This is about everyday life right here. And then there's glorification. So justification is that Jesus came down. Sanctification is that we come out. And that glorification is that we'll go home. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. I can't wait. We need to understand what that really means. But I need to get back to sanctification. And you think, sanctification? Flip. See, this is one we have a hard time with. We get justification. God, forgive me. We're cool about that. And we just can't wait for glorification. I'm going to be with Jesus one day. But do you understand the way you get there is through sanctification? What does that mean? Now, I'm going to throw another word out that's going to scare you. Because this is what it means. In essence, if I just had to put it into one word, sanctification means holiness. And that puts the fear of God in every one of us. Because <laughs> we're thinking, I am not holy, holy, holy. Oh, God, what do I do? Because we don't understand about holiness. But So let me break down holiness for you a little bit. And maybe some terms that you haven't thought of. Holiness first, this is what you need to understand about holiness. Holiness is always personal. It's always personal. Holiness is about you and God. Holiness means that you have been chosen. Holiness means that God has chosen you. God left the 99 to come for you. You're the reason. You're the reason. You're it. You're, we are, so it's very personal to each and every one of us. Sometimes we get lost in church and body of Christ and all this, and we miss a point. It's about you. It's always been about you. It's about what God is doing in your life. It's very, very personal. But another word that describes holiness is to be separate. To be separate. To be called out. To call to Him. And the third word to help us understand is belong. We belong to Him. It's very personal. We are separated out by him, and we belong. Let me read a scripture, then I'm going to go back and give us a story to help us really understand what this means. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and I believe it's verse 9. It says, you are chosen. <laughs> you know that? God chose you. God chose you. Some of you are going to have to get, get that wrapped around your head. We can't even go on until you understand, God chose me, me. In all my failures and all my sin and all my weakness, God chose me. God chose me. You are chosen people. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, that's a ministry, what you do, how you're involved. You're, you're not just a chosen people. You're an activated people. That means you do things for God, reach out and, and be activated and all that. So we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. That's the separation. That's the holiness that we have. God's special possession. I don't know how more endearing God can write it than that. That's who we are. When you were young and you're playing maybe football or uh, pick up basketball or something like that, you'd divide up in teams, right? So that was always, it's always a difficult thing for me because when I was younger, I was very small, so they wouldn't pick me. 
So I, I remember, oh, man, I don't want to go through the uh, teams because I'll be the last one, and nobody wants to be the last one. That's why, that's why later on when I was part of, got older and part of youth groups and, and uh, kids groups and uh, young adults and things like that, what I always did is say, okay, you last three over here, oh, three. I never got to the last person. Never, never, never. But because I, I knew how it felt. I knew what that felt like. So watch this. You're a chosen. You're a chosen people. God chose you. So God's a captain. He says, you, I choose you. Me, God? You choose me? You choose who I am and my failures and my weakness and my some. You, you choose me. I choose you. So you're chosen. <laughs> And at that point, if God chooses, you don't care if you're first or you're last. <laughs> Sometimes God chooses, and we respond really early. Sometimes we respond really late, but God chose you. But see, after you're chosen, guess what has to happen? You've got to come out of the group. Ah, you can't be in that group anymore, that unchosen group. You've got to come out and walk over to Jesus' side. <laughs> I'm with Jesus. I'm with him. <laughs> Jesus, right there, right? You've got you to be over there. You've got to come out. You see how that works? So you're chosen you have to come out, and then what happens? This is my team. I belong here. This is, I belong here. You have to belong. You, have, you can't be saying, uh, okay, you know, for this play, Jesus, I'm going to play on this team. Ah, uh, how crazy is that? You can't, you can't be switching teams. You can't be saying, I like this team, I like this team. But in this area, now I'm going to explain this. In this area, in this thing, I don't really like this. I know you say do this, but oh, I'm not too crazy about that. <laughs> that seems a little too tough. That seems a little too holy. I'm going to go over this team just for this thing, just for this thing. I'll come back just for this play, and I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> Imagine if you're the team captain, <laughs> and you got a player that says, for this play, I know it's third and 15, and we need to pass, and, 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 and I'm the receiver, but for this play, I'm going to go play defense. Huh? That's crazy. And yet, and yet, Listen to me. Don't get lost in the analogy. We do that. We think this area, this thing, I'm going to do this. So I was thinking of the Egypt and how Egypt, God delivered them. God delivered Israel out of Egypt, right? And how he did it, he sent, he sent these plagues. <laughs> we, we, we got plagues. We understand about plagues. <laughs> We're on number, what, five, six, seven now? I don't know. Whatever. So, so he sent these plagues. But there was something that just struck me as I was reading this about number seven. It's appropriately as number seven. And number seven was the storm plague. It was hail that came down and destroyed the crops. And if you were outside, it, you, were, you, you probably weren't around anymore. It was, it was devastating, this plague, to let uh, Pharaoh know that he has to let Israel go. But there's something powerful in this passage. In this passage, if you're reading this, Moses comes, and then God inspires him to tell Pharaoh, look, God could have just wiped you out. This is the only time he said that. God could have just wiped you out. God could have snapped his finger, and there's no more Egyptians in the whole land. <laughs> he could have just wiped it out. And you think, oh, okay, God didn't do that. Maybe because he had mercy on Egypt. Okay, probably on the people. Maybe that's it. But I think there's something more profound that it applies to what we're talking about this morning, about why God said, I could have wiped you out, but I didn't. Because, you see, think of it this way. God says, that's it. Boop. Egypt, you're gone. 
And all of a sudden, there's no Egyptians in the whole land. What does Israel do? Yay, we're free. We can go wander in the desert. No. What do they do? They just stay there. <laughs> there's no reason to leave. We got houses. We got crops. We got everything. We got palaces. You know, they'd be picking out your house. You know, I want this house over here. I want, I'm down, going down Egyptian row. <laughs> this is what I want. They wouldn't have gone anywhere. So in all of this, what was God doing? He was creating hunger, a desire, a willingness in Israel to leave their captivity. You think, why is that important? Because I think it's at the heart of everything that we're talking about. They would go. They wouldn't stay. They would go. They wouldn't stay. Because, you see, sanctification and understanding this is it's not like uh, the reciprocal Christmas obligatory gift, Okay. You know, at Christmas time, you know, we, we have gifts that we're given, and we're thinking, oh, man, i got to give a gift because I have to give it back because they gave me something, so i got to do something of equal value. You know how that works? You know, or what is it? You know, you know and you know, it's always that person that just, you know, the white elephant gifts. Those are awesome, right? Those are fun. And everyone just gets a sort of a gag gift or a 3 4 $5 gift, and then one person buys this $45 gift and puts it in there and screws up the whole game. <laughs> then what are you thinking? That's not the way it's done. It just has to be recipient. And, and we think, careful now. Sometimes sanctification is like that. Sanctification is, God did this, so I got to do this. It's not just giving back. There has to be a hunger. There has to be a desire. There has to be sanctification means there's something inside you. Let me explain it this way. Look at Titus chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us. Now watch this, because all this is going to go through here is talking about justification and then get into sanctification with a punch. I love it. Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness. All wickedness. All wickedness. Someone say all wickedness before I fall off the stage. <laughs> that means everything, everything you're struggling with, everything you think you can't defeat, everything you think is too hard in you, all wickedness, and to purify for himself, so God is purifying for himself, a people that are his very own. There's that possession, there's a sanctification, and then he doesn't stop there, though. Eager to do what is good. Now we begin to understand a little bit. God redeems, God forgives, God empowers. Got that. But with sanctification, there is a hunger. There is an eager. I didn't say perfection, but there is something inside of me saying, God, I don't want you. I need more of you. I need to know. Because you see, the word eager, that word, literally means zealous. Zealous. It's, it's as strong as you get. You don't get any stronger in the Greek language as it was written. This is it. Zealous, eager, radical, fanatical. I picked the word. That's what it is. We, are you radical to do good? I'm not saying you are perfect, but are you hungry? Are, are you eager? Are you saying, God, I want to do your will. I want to follow you. Help us understand this. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. It gives us a little bit clearer picture. It says, let us purify ourselves. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did we not just say that God purifies? And now this scripture, the Bible, God's word, is telling you, purify yourself. Put that in your pipe and smoke. What do we do with that? Come on. Come on. 
What do we do with that? I, I, I need you to see that, that focus there. I, it's, what do I do with that? How do I, how do, I do that? The doctor, he got a doctor who thinks he can smoke pipes. No, I don't. I just want to let you know. The point is, is that God purifies us, but we have a part. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates. Okay. I'm going to start stepping on some toes, so move your feet back a little bit. God says, purify yourselves from everything that will contaminate your life. We live with things that contaminate. We live with things that think, oh, that's okay. God won't mind this. God excuses this. And it's something that is rotting our very soul. And those, this contamination comes in into us. He says, from everything, body and spirit. Our world is at an amazing place. I had a heart-rendering post from a family member, relative, that came out and said, I'm this. My sexuality is fluid. I don't know what that means, but anyway, he's, he's fluid. And uh, he had a point to make. He said, it's ridiculous to think that my spiritual life is connected to anything that involves sexuality. Literally, anything that involves body. And that's what the world has done. Spirit over here, love God, live like I want. Body over here, do what I want, please what I want. It doesn't affect. <laughs> but everything, 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 I'll say it one more time, everything in you that you live, that you allow to dwell in your mind, your thoughts can contaminate or can edify what you're doing in your life. And what happens is that it says body and spirit perfecting holiness. This is how we perfect holiness. This is back to sanctification, protecting holiness out of a reverence to God. That's just a fa fancy way of just saying what I just said, out of a hunger. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means I'm hungry for God. I want God. When it comes down to it, even though I stumble, even though I'm not perfect, even though I'm not working out, God, I want you. God, I need you. God, somehow work in me. You see, sanctification it makes us hungry. Sanctification isn't just being hungry. It makes us hunger for God and everything that he's doing. You see, he's the storm breaker. He's the storm breaker. Jesus is. Now watch this. Jesus gives his, his biggest story that you find in the Bible. Sermon on the Mount, right? And he starts out about how, it, and it's, it's full. <laughs> live like this. Don't live like that. Don't engage in this, uh, this hatred or this thought or these sexual acts. Don't, it lays it all out. I mean, it's, it's a full-blown sermon. <laughs> it, it would do uh, proud, any holiness tradition, and <laughs> lay it all out there. And I'm sure the people are thinking, flip. How? What? Man, it's so hard. But you see, Jesus always ends with a punch. Jesus ends the very last part of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. He gets to this, and he, and he lays out the answer. <laughs> because Jesus wants us to understand, how do I live for him? How do I know that I'm walking in him? How do I live this sanctification so I get to the glorification, go home? How do I do that? How do I walk in that? And so Jesus gets to that, that ending part, and he lays it all out. And he says this in Matthew 7, 24. Look what he says. He says, therefore... Okay, if you read therefore in the Bible, you have to ask, why is it therefore? 
What is it there for? <laughs> so that means everything he just talked about is related to this. Everything in the Sermon on the Mount relates to, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and puts them into practice, into action, into movement, is like a wise man. Now he goes into another story. A wise man who built his house on the rock. So you're thinking, what is this about? He says, everyone that does what I'm saying. And he tells a story. And this is sort of some put it all together. <laughs> he says, okay, someone thought, I'm going to build a house. And so I'm going I'm to build a house. I'm going to build it over here. And I'm going to build it on this really strong rock foundation. And he builds this gorgeous home. Puts all his family in it. Everything is just amazing. Just gorgeous, gorgeous home. Up in the, maybe the mountains a little bit, you know, on the rock. <laughs> and so he, he builds his home. And then all of a sudden, what happens? He is doing everything right, and a storm comes. What's that about? You ever feel that way? I'm doing everything right. I'm trying everything. And here comes a flipping storm. And it's raining, and it's hailing, and the wind is loud, and the whole place is shaking. And he gathers his all of his children around and his wife, and he gathers them around. And they're in the middle. Storm going on, going on, just everything. And what happens? It stands. It does it. It does good. It come up the, the next morning, and there's the sun. Oh, it's amazing! And then Jesus tells a story of another guy has a great heart, has a good attitude, but he just likes the beach view. <laughs> Don't we all? Okay, he just wants it on the beach. He just wants that. But look at this view. That's crazy. I want to build a house right here, right on the beach, on the sand. So he builds this great, enormous home right on the sand. And, and all of a sudden, he's there with his family, and the wind comes, and the rain comes, and the hell comes, and that hurricane out of the tropics comes, and blows and blows, and he gathers all of his family around in this. Jesus is crying it. Great is the fall. What are we supposed to draw out of that? What is, what is this supposed to mean to us? There's a couple of things that's critical we understand. The storm came to both houses. The storm hit both houses. And, and to begin this whole message, it's like, how do we endure, this, endure, and, and endure the storm? We do so because of who Christ is on his words, on his practices, on everything he's doing. So it, both, the storm hit both houses. You see... It's not about, I think what happens is in the second one, it's, like, it's not like, okay, uh, God, I don't want to follow you. He just chose to ignore some of the thoughts. He just says, I don't need to do this teaching. Now, that one's okay. I'll take all of these. I'll do all of this. I'll, I'll do this one, do this one, this one, ah, that one. That's a little radical. That's a little too holy. That's a little too much. And we push it aside. That's building on the sand. That's allowing sand. You see, the, the, the problem is we have a picture here, as Jesus accurately portrayed it, as two extremes. One over here, perfect house on the rock. One over here, perfect house on the sand. This one is destroyed. But I think what happens often is we live in the middle, do we not? We build this, and we build on this word, and we build on this word of Jesus, and we build on this word of what God wants, and we build on this, but we leave out this one, and this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. And what happens is the storm comes, and we wonder, God, why did my faith fail? Why did it not work out? 
Why am I continually stumbling? It's because there's parts that you have just built not on God's word, not on his truth, not on his life. And we pick and we choose and we wonder what's going on. Why, why is our faith? Why am I wiped out by, by this storm? And more than once I've had people tell me that. Greg, I don't understand. But again, the storms all come, whether you got everything right or, where you, or, or whether you don't even know who God is. The storms will come. The reason that we stand is because we stand on the storm breaker. We stand on who he is. We stand on his word. We stand on his, his, his truth. You see, too many times I think we filter Jesus' words instead of allowing Jesus to filter out our life. And if you're filtering out, I don't want this, I don't want this, I don't want this of Jesus' words, then there's aspects of your home that when the storms come and all of a sudden you get overwhelmed, you go, God, how, how can I stand? Again, this isn't about perfection. <laughs> this is about knowing who you are and knowing that sanctification is an eagerness to say, God, I want you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says in 19 and 20, you are, you are not your own. You don't belong to you. Why? Because I chose you. <laughs> I picked you. I called you out. And now you're on my team. So it's not you. Pride and selfishness often says, but this is what I want to do, God. I remember very clearly God speaking to my heart about something, and he said, God, and, and, and God laid on my heart, said, I don't want you to do that. God, all my friends, they love you, and they're doing that, oh, you know, because we think, you know, everything works by majority. <laughs> we, can we vote on this, God? You ever try to vote with God? <clears throat> See how that, tell me how that works out for you. That, but God said, I chose you. You're on my team. This is what I'm calling you to. And I had to decide if my heart was eager or if my heart was far. If I wanted to do it my way. See, we stand, we stand on his word. How? By being perfect? No. We stand on his word by just having an eager heart. A zealous heart saying, God, I need you. Help me build this right for my family, for my wife, for my spouse, for my parents, for my children. Help me build this, Lord. Help me follow you with, with all of my heart. Help me do everything that you want to do in my life. How do we stand in storms? How do we stand in storms? Put it in practice. Put it in practice. Put it in practice. And that's what this morning is really all about. Greg, how do I understand holiness? Holiness is I'm just going to do what God's asked me to do. Maybe sometimes I don't get it all right. But it doesn't mean I'm going to say, okay, I don't want to do that. I'm going to say, I'll come back and I'll get that right, God. Because I'm eager to please you. I'm eager to please you. You see, that's when the storms come. And I believe there might be storms even now, right now in your life. And maybe it's doubt or maybe it's fear or maybe it's something like that. Whatever it is, whatever that storm is that's coming in your life, how do we stand, Greg? How do, I, how do I get stronger in everything that God is doing in my life? It's really all about 
understanding when the wind comes, when the storms come, in my heart, God, I I, I, I want to know you with all my life. I want, I want you to be in my life. I'm, am, am I picking, am I filtering out what God is doing? God, I choose this and this and this, but everything else has to stay. Or am I letting God filter me? God, take that out. God, take this out of my life. And that's the call we have this morning. Remember how we started. No one's condemned. We don't feel condemned. We might, you might feel convicted. If you feel condemned, it leads to hopelessness. If you feel convicted, it turns us to Christ. It turns us to Christ. So the conviction is, God, I want to surrender everything to you. Help me. I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to build that way. Help me work through that. Help me understand that, God, so I can follow you. That's sanctification. That's an eager. That's a heart. When you do that, you watch. You watch and see what God does. See how he moves in your life. And every one of us, I believe with all of my heart, every one of us, this morning, whether you're watching online or whether you're here this morning, you have some area that you're saying, God, I I filtered that out. I excuse that. I dismiss that. Help me understand. Help me have a heart towards you. I want to build on everything that you're doing in my life. And that's a heart that God purifies. And that's a heart that God sanctifies. And that's a heart that leans toward him. That's all I'm talking about this morning. Let's lean toward him, not away from him. Oh, God, I don't want that. Lean toward him. God, I need you. God, I need you. Father, in the name of Jesus, such precious people that love you with all their heart. God, I think in every one of our lives we see some areas that that we've filtered out from your word, that we've grown hard and dismissed. God, soften our hearts. Move in our lives. Help us to stand in what's true. And I know, God, there might be consequences to that and results of that, but God, we trust you with all of our life, with all of our heart. God, we want to walk and be men and women of God that serve you with everything that we are. God, when our house is, is torn up by the storm of life and things around us, let us repair it and build it again on your word, on your truth, on your life, on your hope, on your love, on your grace in our life. God, I pray for that for every single person. It's in the sound of my voice. God, I believe there's people that will be listening to this message this week, next week, next month that you're going to touch right as they listen, right at this point, God, that they see, you know what? I need to change that. God, move in our lives. Help us. And God, if there's anybody that is built all on the sand and their life stands in ruins around them and everything has been destroyed by the storms of this life, God, let them turn their heart right now towards you, who is the foundation of all good things in their life. So, Father, we pray, forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our doubts. Make us new. Make us whole. Make us right in all that we're doing for you. Let us stand on your words, on your truth. And I pray in your name. Amen.